here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. Yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all names. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You could have, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. It's a whole different person. Yeah. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court seat. side and I'll be <laughs> up in the blue seat. <laughs> Here's McKay. Got it for Caruth. He scores. His first goal as a New York Ranger. Uh, I've been taking my vitamins. Oh, I'm dead serious. That's not even a joke. I've been taking a lot of vitamins. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I felt good. DeAndre Miller with a shot. Reeves shoots and scores. His second of the night. We're going to keep doing our thing and the standings don't lie. And then the top pass ahead. Whenever your your goaltending's making big saves too, you you never feel out of a game. And this one feels good, especially at home and a big night for uh, Connecticut community and everyone. And it's just a really good feeling. Rangers win it six three. They score the last five. Ooh. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Ranger podcast from the New York Post. That montage you heard is courtesy of TNT. You heard Kenny Albert, Ryan Strom, and the hero of the night, Ryan Reeves, after his two-goal game, his first two of the year. It took him until now, and DJ Pauly D was being that beat up at the Garden. The Garden was rocking. What a victory. And you heard Adam Fox as well, who also had a monster night and a Rangers comeback win over the Maple Leafs. Larry Brooks will join us, of course, later in the show. And speaking of Maple Leafs, former Ranger and Maple Leaf in front of the program, Katsi, Chris Katsopoulos, will also join us later in the program. But first, let's welcome in our own people beating that beat up. That would be the queen of the post. I know she was pumping her fist all night long. Molly Walker. And back in the homeland of Florida, soon to be in New York, Rangers great, number 10, Ron Duquesne. Well, thank you, Jake. It's always fun waking up to a Ranger victory last night playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs, a team that I grew up with, a big fan, always enjoy watching them play and hoping that someday they get back into that Stanley Cup hunt, which the Leafs are. Good to see It was a game last night when you look at the players on the ice full of all-stars. And by the way, congrats to Adam Fox, Chris Kreider, and Zabinajad for going to the All-Star Weekend. Also going to the All-Star Weekend will be our own Molly Walker, who will be able to report back to us all the fun activities in Vegas on and off the ice. And we look forward to hearing that. But last night, the man called Revo, Revo, Ryan Reeves, he decided that he was going to, among all our stars, was going to have a game at the game of his Ranger career here with scoring two big goals. So it was fun to see, good to see guys that play that tough man role to be able to just be able to score a goal occasionally here and there. And the guy that played that role well for the New York Rangers that one season 
season, but as his career. That's my friend Chris Katsopoulos will be on the show here. Kotze, very outspoken, watches all the games. We can ask him just about everything, but I'd like to focus in on talking defense with the Rangers and his thoughts on moving forward. So, But right now, Molly Walker is with us. Molly, are you looking forward? Because you have never been to an NHL all-star weekend, correct? No, I have not. This will be my very first and in Vegas, no less. But yes, eventful week for the Rangers recently. Couple big wins, especially the other night against the Maple Leafs. I mean, 6-3 against that team. Austin Matthews, William Nylander. I mean, what what a group and just a real gutsy win out of the Rangers and and just a come from behind rally sparked by Ryan Reeves and and the fourth line you know we talk we talk a lot about how you want the Rangers to have identities for each of their lines and the fourth line is really starting to come together and Ryan Reeves leaves with two goals and of course as per usual he was an absolute quote machine just (laughs) ripping out some of the feats that he credited to taking his vitamins said he had a terrible pregame nap woke up had a Red Bull then felt great, went out and scored his first and second goals as a Ranger. So highly entertaining game. It was uh, it was a good time at the Garden. Yes, DJ Pauly D also absolutely lit it up. <laughs> so Revo, from the start of the season, you had mentioned that uh, Ryan Reeves uh, has become your favorite. All of it has to do with his, I don't want to say outspoken, but he's pretty honest guy. He tells you like it is. Of course, he's been around the NHL a few years and he's just being himself. And when you're, and he kind of reminds me of Nick Putillo. When you're playing that tough man role, you're having to play the game in a different way, prepare for the game in a different way. Like, who am I potentially fighting uh, now? You have to find a way to capture some fun and uh, playing the game. And so Nick Fatia was like that. He was the biggest prankster. And so Ryan Reeves kind of reminds me of him with his sense of humor, right? Just being happy, showing up, enjoying music. So is that all of what you're seeing in him, Ryan? Yeah, he honestly is just such a bright personality, just whether he's talking to us, talking to the rest of the team on the ice during practice, he's just He's always loud. He's always just seems to be having a good time and is is a real like mood lifter. He just he keeps everybody loose on the ice. And and I think that was something this Rangers team needed. It was a little uptight toward the end of the David Quinn era, I would say. And I think uptight is a, is a pretty good word to describe the, the vibe around that team. So I think not only with new management, but bringing in a guy like Ryan Reeves, it's just a lot more relaxed. And and the young guys are reminded that it's just hockey, but huge game for him. I know he said he was a little disappointed himself that it took a couple months to get his first goals uh, as a Ranger, but he was, he was very, very happy with, with the win. Let's play, let's play that quote guys. We have it ready. Ryan Reeves after the game talking about the Rangers are the big boys. Yeah. It shows our maturity. It shows, um, you know, that we can, we can hang with the big boys that we are one of the big boys. Um, you know, we got to keep beating the, the playoff teams. Um, you know, it's something we've talked about, but, um, yeah, I think we're, we're proven to the league. We're proven to ourselves that, um, you know, we're a contender. I mean, yeah, he just, he comes out with quotes like that when they're warranted and he just, he really knows how to articulate it. And as a writer makes my job a lot easier. He has a lot of colorful quotes and and we really appreciate that. But yes, I mean, the fact that the Rangers are talking about being one of the big boys is somewhere I I did not expect us to be at this point, almost halfway point of the season. 
Yeah, another kid, a new kid in town is uh, Braden Snyder, uh, highly expected to at one point perform and be a player that the Rangers look into as a future part of the New York Ranger organization. Uh, we're seeing him on the ice. He looks steady. He's performed well, good composure. What is it that you can share with us with just watching him, uh, you know, in the dressing room, how he behaves, his character? What can you share about his character? I just think that he is very composed, like you said. He's very even keeled. And, you know, for a guy who just made his NHL debut, has just a couple of games under his belt playing for a team that is is competitive and has actual playoff aspirations, he's handled it beautifully. I mean, I think that you can't complain when your young defense, 19, 20 years old, whatever he is, gets into his first game and and looks like he's been playing it for the last five, six years. You know, when, when a guy looks like he's blending in that way in his first game, it's always going to be a positive sign. And as, as far as his character, you know, in talking to him, he has a great attitude. Um, he seems like he understands his role, understands where he sits within the organization. Um, and that's important. So nothing but nothing but encouraging signs as far as Braden Schneider is concerned. So I think Ranger fans should be very excited. Yeah, I've been looking up uh, to try to get some updates on Blay. I haven't heard much. Is he expected to come back this season? I don't think so. Um, I I know that he had his surgery, I think it was around a month ago now, and it was quite a long time after he actually he suffered the actual injury and that was because the swelling was so bad that they needed to wait to to actually be able to perform the surgery correctly so i think the fact that it took as long as it did you know he's going to be i think he's going to be an rfa so i don't think that they're going to risk throwing him onto the ice uh, after such a a pretty serious injury but yeah he had the surgery and uh I, I wouldn't expect him to be back this season, but we'll see if Chris Jury ends up re-signing him because it's definitely on the table. I think that his sample size of games was pretty encouraging. So I think he fits the bill of the kind of, of middle six winger that they want for this team. There's no cheering in the press box, but is there fist pumping in the press box? You know, <laughs> the, the garden, and, and if you go to Ranger games... And I've been to some. They're making an effort to turn it into a club, I guess, because they own Tao Group now, um, the famous Tao restaurant club that uh, maybe we'll go there when Ron comes. We'll go to Tao. It is a club now. And DJ Pauly D, and I know you love Jersey Shore. You frequently watch that show, was in the building Wednesday, and maybe he gets credit for that miracle comeback victory at any point under your desk up in the uh, Chase Bridge pumping your fist at all. Under my desk, I was sh- shamelessly <laughs> fist pumping above the desk, ready just just like as if I was at a club with with Paulie D. I mean, it was hilarious. I think uh, Vinny was there on <laughs> on the jumbotron. It was absolutely hilarious. It was it was like a throwback to to the Jersey Shore phase. So, it was, <laughs> and yeah, they have been doing that recently. Uh, in between periods, they have a DJ come and play some music. So that's a new thing. This season for all all of our listeners going to games, you can expect that. All right. Well, I expect you to fully GTL today. Hit the gym, then get your beach bum tan in, and then go do your laundry and call it a day. That was exciting. And what a game. What a game. As betting here is illegal in New York, I know many people might add a few shekels on the Rangers. So for those people, congrats to them. I wouldn't know anything about that. But uh, we'll talk next with Larry Brooks right here on Up at the Blue Seats. 
Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the Post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Lara, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, guys were walking around in their bathrobes like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We- it's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What a great new opener produced by Andrew Hartz. Didn't we love that? Larry, you didn't get to hear it, but you should listen back to it. It's an awesome compilation of all of our highlights, our highlight conversations from this show, which there are quite a lot. So welcoming in Larry Brooks, our Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer for the New York Post. So Larry, in your Post Sports Plus column the other day, you were seemingly responding to readers who were asking if the Rangers reuniting with Pavel Buchnevich was a possibility. Was that because you had a flood of people asking about the Buchnevich trade? And and is that a possibility? If so, why or why not? Well, no, it, it was it was more reacting to people on social media and email and, and wherever complaining that the Rangers had let Buchnevich go. Not that uh, anyone was suggesting that they're going to be able to reacquire him. And I just thought, listen, it, it, it clearly, you know, Pablo Vignevich on their, on their first line makes them a better team. But there were reasons that the Rangers traded Vignevich. And the major reason was the cap. And I just find that so many people who want to make trades for the Rangers, who, who want to critique the trades that have been made, just act as if the cap is some small issue that can be swept aside. The Rangers are going to be in it next year. They And everyone knows it for the next few years. There's going to be no space. And very few teams are going to have space. This is not a Rangers-centric issue. There's going to be a, a flat cap essentially for the next two or three years. Again, HRR is getting hammered. There are regulations in place in the CBA that control the cap, and, and they're all related to hockey-related revenues. So with the pandemic, again, taking a bite out of revenues, the cap's not going up. It's going up a million dollars a year for the next two or three years, and that's it. And the Rangers have to accommodate all of these players. They couldn't accommodate Bugnevich. They needed to make a change. And so constantly pining for Pavel Bugnevich to me seems to be a wasted exercise. Someone was going to have to go and it was going to be Bukhnevich. You also had a one-on-one interview with Chris Kreider this week. Two questions when it comes to him. One, what do you think the biggest difference in Kreider has been this season compared to all the other seasons that you've covered him? And is this the year he's going to get 30 goals for the first time ever? Oh, I think he's going to get 30. 
I, yeah. you know, I, I think he's going to get 30. It's um, the year. Yeah, I, I think this is easy. He had a couple of other years where it looked like it was it was slam dunk, but he's a much better Two twenty-eight goal years. Yeah, he's, he's a better player. The difference I see in, in Kreider is the way he carries himself. I think he, he, you know, he's been in the league since the playoffs of 2012. So he's now basically 10 years in New York, in the NHL. And I think he has learned who he is. I think he has evolved. I think he's put a lot of work into the mental side and the psychological side of the game, of playing the game. He's, he, he always internally, I mean, I spent, you know, I was saying to him the other day, you know, I spent hours with him sitting in his locker where he would just beat himself up and talk about how he thought he was letting people down. And he would go into these tailspins. And, and um, honestly, it was, it was an ugly sight because there were so many highs, but there were all these lows that came with it. And he has worked through it. He talked about how much help Marty San Louis has been to him. He talked about speaking to his friends and his family. And he talked about uh, consulting specialists in the field. So, I mean, Chris Kreider has put a lot of work into building himself into this player and into building himself into this teammate and to building himself into this person. And, you know, I, I think it, there's there's only good things ahead for Chris Kreider. Uh, Larry, I have to ask you, because I get asked this question several times. As a New York Ranger, I end up scoring 40 goals and I scored some 30 goal season in uh, Detroit. But that was back in the 80s. When you think about a player scoring 30 goals in today's game, what is that 30 goal mean compared to the 80s. Was that a 40 goal season back in the 80s? How the games played, the goaltending. What would be Chris Kreider back in the 80s? Well, you know, it's interesting because Chris Kreider back in the 80s, if he set up in front, would be cross checked in the lower back <laughs> 12, you know, every time he went to the front of the net. There are, you know, there are so many, you know, it's a good point. Obviously, it's much, it's much tougher to score now than it was in, in the uh, late 70s and through the 80s. The goaltending is so superior now. Back then, you know, when I started covering, um, when you were playing, Ronnie, the start of your career, a lot of teams, fifth and sixth defensemen, you know, really couldn't skate. There were there were obvious matchups the teams could exploit when they got their first line on against the other team's fourth line or even third line because, you know, a lot of teams didn't go four lines then. They went three lines. In the third line, they had guys who couldn't skate. It was a much, much different game. But you know, it was also a game in which you were at physical risk almost every moment you're on the ice. And now, you know, with the concussion issue, that's a little bit different. But, you know, back then, it, it was, you know, it was hand to hand. You know, <laughs> players brought bayonets onto the ice. And so, you know, Cryer would have had to navigate through a different kind of minefield. Would he have been, you know, one of those quintessential, you know, you know who he might have been like? He might have been like Gerard Gallant. He probably would have fought, you know, honestly, he would have been challenged a lot. He would have fought, you know, he probably would have fought a lot. And, you know, he would have been one of those power forwards who was, was you know, whose whose career probably would have would have had a lot of highs, but it, but it, it would have been a different career. To add to that, I, I think with his skating ability. He's so explosive that he would have gone around so many defensemen that I would have pegged him for at least a 40 to 50 goal scorer back in my time. I would have loved to have him on my wing. Yeah, you see him, you know, kind of as an Al Secord kind of player, right? Those big wingers, and he would have have been big back in the day, right? 
you know, one of those big power winners who could, you know, when, when he came up, he was a, a scoot and shoot player. I mean, he would fly down the wing through open ice. He would get the puck in the neutral zone and he'd fire it. And, you know, a lot of that has gone away from his game the last couple of years. I thought he became too minimalist the last couple of years, where it's just go to the front, go to the front. But this year, given the added responsibility at both ends of the ice, I, I, his game is, a, again, it, it's a comprehensive game. There's uh, there's a lot to it. He has a lot of tools. I'm going to add one more thing. And in today's game, everything is so judged and calculated your X and O's back then we're essentially playing pond hockey. So he wouldn't have to think as much. He would have just re- reacted, responded, uses a skill set, uh, him being athletic. And I think it would have freed him to allow him to be him. So anyways, let's turn into uh, today's team and Philip Petal, whom uh, we had talked about, we'd love to have seen him play on the wing. And sure enough, last couple games, he has played on the wing and I'm liking what I'm saying. What do you say? I agree with you. I like it. Um, I don't know that he is the solution as they're uh, to fill that hole on the top six. I'm not sure, but I but I like what I see, and I and I think I think it deserves a chance. I think he's I think he's more naturally suited to playing wing in the NHL than he is the middle. You know, maybe maybe another league. He's a big power center. And I, and I talked to a lot of people. I, you know, I talked to Claude Lemieux a couple of years ago about Heedle, about this, and he, and he insisted, no, you see, he's a center. And so, and I, and a lot of people want him to be a center, big, fast, but I just don't think at this stage of his evolution, he makes his wingers better. He's not a dispatcher. He kind of carry, you know, he, he holds onto the puck a little bit too long. And I don't want to beat him up. You know, I don't. But I, I just don't think he has the qualities right now to play center in the NHL and thrive. But I think he adds, I think he adds size. I think he adds strength. I mean, I, I think he's a power winger. And I like the way he's fitting in with Strom and, and Panarin right now. Again, it's it's to be determined. There's a long way from now to the playoffs. A lot, uh, you know, there, there can be a lot of moves between now and then. But I think this is the best place for Heedle. And I also think moving Heedle to the wing makes the Rangers a stronger team because I think it makes their third line a better line. The Rangers are going to need – there are a lot of things they're going to look at, but I think they need to solidify that third line and, and create some sort of identity for that third line depending on who's on it. Well, this was great as always, Larry, and we'll check back in again next week. All right. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Ronnie. Jake, what the heck are you wearing? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> Our special guest this week is a friend of the program, coincidentally a former Ranger and Maple Leaf, which is perfect for today's show. Please welcome Chris Kostopoulos, better known as Kotze. Kotze, how are you? Thank you so much for joining our show today. I'm doing good, doing good. It's been a while since I've been on your show. uh, I've been communicating with uh, the traveler there, Ron Dugay, back and forth a little bit over the last couple weeks. uh, So I'm happy to be on. Shame on him for not inviting you on sooner then. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, Katsi, your two former teams go head-to-head last night. Before we get into the game, I'm, I'm just curious, when you're sitting there... Who are you rooting for? Who who do you feel like you have in this race, or is it split? Tell tell me what that's like for you. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, my heart's always been with the New York Rangers, even though I only played one year. There was uh, probably the best year of my career. You know, you think about it. we went to the semifinals that year. Uh, uh, 
uh, had a good playoff run, and I was all set to, you know, unfortunately, I was all set to come back next season and uh, continue that run, but I got traded. Uh, listen, I have some love for the Toronto Maple Leafs, too, obviously, being a Toronto boy, and uh, I still think, regardless of what happened last night, I think they're going to be a contender when it comes to Stanley Cup uh, playoff hockey this year. I think they're one of the contenders, but uh, there's love for the Leafs, but there's more love for the Rangers. Well, I'm sure all of our listeners love to hear that. But would you say that that was as big a statement when the Rangers have had all season? And just what, what what were your thoughts about how they took on the Maple Leafs of all teams? Well, at least Leafs are you know they're high flying uh, skilled team. They got lots of you know weapons back you know up front, and uh, you know they got good goaltending finally with Campbell. Regardless of what a lot of people in Toronto say right now, and the way they started last night, they they really put it to the Rangers. Right? You know the Rangers seem to still have that uh, old old style where they sometimes they come out a little slow in the first period. It's been that way for a few years, but you got to give them a lot of props last night. I mean, that, you know, down 3-1 going into the second, you know, and Shostak could stop and Nylander, you know, halfway through that period. Uh, you know, Ryan Reeves, McKay, and Rooney uh, doing what they did. I mean, people don't realize how important that is in the game of hockey. It may not be the Wild West like it was when Ron and I played, but Boy, after after you get hit three or four times, you know, by a Ryan Reeves, you start looking over your left shoulder, over your right shoulder, and you can see the Leafs defenseman starting to look around every time that fourth line was on. I think that was uh, pretty critical for, for for the Rangers to get back into the game last night. Kotze, you talked about getting traded. So have I by the same coach. <laughs> you experienced some good coaches, bad coaches in the NHL. How much value do you put in a good head coach when we're talking? how the Rangers are doing now compared to last year. When you're seeing Gerard Gallant and his coaching technique, what is it that you're seeing that's different? Well, I, I think he, he uh, coaches the way he played. You know, I, I got to play against him quite a bit, of, you know, when I was in the Norris division there with the Leafs, and he was a hard-nosed guy, played hard. And, uh, there was no nonsense. And the way he played, I think he coaches the same way. But I think there's a calm, calm way he coaches. I think he allows his players – to, to either, you know, step forward and, and take control of their, their, their job situation. And, and if they don't, they kind of get sat out once in a while. But I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a, a, like a rah-rah type guy. I just think he just lets the players play. And, and, I, and you know as well as I do, Dukes, that I don't agree with that, you know, one for all, all for one. I think everybody needs to be treated differently. And uh, you got to find a way how to make that player play for you. I think he does that. I think he's done a very good job. So you're watching the game, and I, I know you're paying attention to the defenseman, into the details of how a defenseman plays on the ice. And it's always, you know, for me, I understand the position, but I don't understand it as you do. We have a new kid in town, Braden uh, uh, Schneider. You were watching him last night. You've been watching him for the last few games. What is it that you're seeing in this game that you like? Oh, I think he's very composed and making really uh, quick, smart decisions that – if you take a look at like when he's got an opportunity to make a play to another teammate, he's he's on, he's tape to tape with the pass, pretty good there. Uh, I think he's got a lot of a lot of vision out there, and he does take the body once in a while too, which I'd like to see another couple other guys on the team take the body, but we won't get into that yet. Uh, yeah, no, I, please I, do. I like I like I like what I see so far out of him. You know, uh, I've always said you can't win Stanley Cups with five Wayne Gretzky's. You got to have some different guys out there to go along with that Wayne Gretzky. And it's the same thing on defense. 
we've got an Adam Fox right now when it comes to the offensive side of the game and the quarterback side of the game and, you know, the power play and all that. But you need some stay-at-home defensemen. Um, this is not to say that Schneider don't have the ability. We saw that shot in Philly. I mean, boy, did he rifle that one there for his first goal. But yeah, I, I think it's important to have a guy that, you know, plays a little bit more like Lindgren, a little, little more of a stay-at-home type guy and play a little more physical and, he just, he's so far so good. I mean, I know it's early now. I know he's only 20 years old, uh, but I wanted him there from the beginning of the year. That's just my opinion. I thought he deserved a shot from the beginning of the year, and I hope he sticks around. And I think Chris Dury uh, has done a pretty good job of putting this team together, and I think he's got a lot of pieces that he can play with when it comes to trade deadline to maybe help out on the defense and maybe a power forward or two. I don't, I don't know, maybe. Well, let's let's talk about that because, I mean, we're not halfway through the season yet, but we're still thinking this team is a Stanley Cup contender now because they're still in the top six and they played one of the better teams last night in Toronto. So looking forward at the trade deadline with pieces that they're tradable, are you thinking that per- perhaps they could use another top four defenseman? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think it would be really, really good uh, Again, there's a lot of pieces there. I mean, you got Lebar Hijack, you got uh, Lundqvist, you got Zach Jones. You know, these guys can all play in the National Hockey League, but right now, you can only dress six defensive, maybe seven at the most. So there's a lot of parts there that they could use to maybe maybe acquire that. And there's some forwards too that that, that, that they could use too. I mean, I'd like to see one of the younger guys step up on the forwards. I mean, let's let's call it what it is. Nobody's really taking control. Of, of backing up the Zabinajads and the Panarins and the guys and Kreider and stuff like that when it comes to the offense. They're, they're kind of struggling a little bit to find themselves. But that's there's a reason for that too, though, Dukes, and, and let's call it what it is. It's hard to find ice time for those guys too when you have those three or four guys up front that are doing the bulk of the scoring. But I think there's lots of pieces for Chris Drury to play little games at trade deadline because I – uh, a couple of weeks ago, I would have still said the Rangers were pretenders, but I'm not anymore. You know, Katze, I wanted to ask you, you went undrafted, and the Rangers have a few players who also were undrafted. Artemi Panarin is the first one that jumps out at me, which is absolutely ridiculous. But Goudreau, Hunt, Rooney, Georgiev, do you think that there's a different attitude to NHL players who weren't drafted? Because when you look at the, that group right there, they do kind of have something in common almost. Yeah, I- you know, I went undrafted, but it's partially my own fault. I mean, I kind of screwed myself there in junior. I mean, I started out as a 16-year-old playing for Windsor against Ron up in Sudbury, but then I got – I guess I might have got a little too big for my britches, got in a few arguments with my head coach, and next thing you know, I was blackballed from the league. So that's my story. But I, I as that went on, I, I'm probably doing the uh, – you know, I probably did the same thing these guys did being undrafted. They looked at – at their you know compatriots there and saying like wow I'm as good as that guy I can play that game as good as that guy so that's probably why they continued and were able to find their way to the NHL trust me it's not the easiest way to do it I mean guys that get drafted in the first round and second round they get the red carpet treatment right Ron you know what I mean uh, but oh, all that struggles we have to start from the bottom and work our way up and that's you know I'm sure that that's what they felt they felt that they looked around and saw some people that they played with or against that, then, damn, I'm as good as those guys. So I, I got to continue this. Katsi, you, you mentioned playing with Ron. First off, can you show us the stuffed animal behind you? Is it is it of you? Is it a stuffed animal of you? The oh, hockey well, player. Uh, Katsi, show us 
Show us the slim version of you. Here's the best part about that. They used to sell this in the uh, Wheeler store in the mall there, Ron. Remember when you played against us in Hartford, you had that little strip mall in the arena? The best part is they spelled my name wrong. (laughs) I will say your last last name is very hard to spell, but that's Yeah, well, come on. I mean, ABC, give me a break. One job. (laughs) You had one job. Yeah, just look it up. I mean, it's your, your own player, you know, and stuff like that. All right, for our new listeners, you got to tell us a story of the fight with Ron in the garden. I thought, I think you told in the past you about this story already. Listen, he, I'll give, I'll give him credit for stepping in, okay? But I think what happened was, uh, I can't remember. They scored a goal in front of the net, and Dave Silk was there, you know, trying to act like a tough guy, which he wasn't. And I kind of, I kind of smacked him after the after the puck went in and. Dubes was coming to the rescue like the big shining knight and everything. And I was like, are you kidding in my head? Like, really? Make a long story short. I'm not going to get into it. But uh, I'm sitting on top of Dubes, and I was starting to throw a punch or two, and he just he just, he just, just totally made me defenseless by barking out that I just signed a new contract with a modeling agent. I don't know if it was Ford or Elite or whatever. He says, don't hit me in the face. So I just burst out laughing. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Okay. So- Look, guys, don't, get me, don't get me wrong. Dude's a pretty tough guy. But he was out of his league in this one. So that's Kotze's version. Well, well, when he like, leaves, I'll you, give you. Why don't you find the video of it one day and put it on? Why don't you find whose ass was on, on the ice and who was on top, and we'll find out. Honestly, with HockeyFights.com, that might be possible, so we, we might be able to look that up. <laughs> yeah, please do. So what it was is I stepped on a stick, which was Kotze's. I fell back, and with all his weight, he fell on top of me. Okay? That even, if, even if that happened, that's, that's your fault, not mine. Even if that happened. <laughs> I love I love all these guys that talk I love all these guys that talk about fights and all this stuff on hockeyfights.com and I'm like if you're not good why'd you let that happen? Shots fired. Right? Shots Am I right fire. wrong, guys? I'm not you're that's not, not towards Ron. That's towards the other three years. Ron listen, Ron, Ron was a pretty tough guy. Ron Ron could handle himself. We had uh we had probably and I I think I've said this on your show before, we that team in eighty eighty one may not have had the, the number one fighter of all time on it, but boy, oh boy, you could, there was a gauntlet of players that would have dropped the gloves with you. And Ron was one of them. Yeah. Hey Kotsi, all you have to do is Google us playing St. Louis in LA at that oh, yeah. year where we actually we 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 gooned them. <laughs> It, you were right in the middle of all of it. Well, it was me, Boxcar, everybody, though. Everybody got involved. I mean, it, it just kind of grew on everybody. We, you were our leading scorer, I think, throughout that playoffs, weren't you? I was, yeah. Yeah. And, so I and, needed to be protected, Cotty. Well, I did that for you one time with Ben Wilson in Madison Square Garden. You remember that story, too, don't you? Where Ben wanted to I take do. Yeah. put it right through your eyeballs? I remember that. He even told us, he gritted his teeth and looked at me and goes, Chris Thomas, get away from me. I'm going to put my step right through his face. <laughs> yeah, so much fun playing hockey back then. A different time. Oh, you know, Kotsi, can, yeah. can you imagine if you and I were just uh, implanted in today's New York Ranger team, what it would be like? Oh, my God. Yeah. It, it'd be reopening Studio 54 what, again. What it'd visual. be a different world. Well, you know, I, I, I'd probably be the – you're talking about on the team. I'd probably be the first one to admit I'd better be making about six to $8 because I'd be suspended all the time for all the stuff that I did. I mean, like you can't do the stuff that I did in the day. Geez, Ron, you, you couldn't even do some of the stuff you did. I mean, you were 
physical player as well. I mean, you'd be getting penalties too. Not as many as me, though, that's for sure. I mean, the game's changed, no question about that. I mean, I, I used to cross-check guys in front of the net. I'd start down at the your back, lower back. If that didn't move you, it went up a little higher. Then it went up all the way to your neck. I mean, that's the way it was back then. And, you know, the forwards took it. Yeah, so Katsu, this is the last question, and this goes to what you're saying, is the commitment that a defenseman had in protecting their goaltender. Uh, completely different. Like, when Lundqvist was a goaltender, there were times where he felt like, where are the D? And uh, even now with Shesterkin, because they're going to go after him. Going into into the playoffs, teams are going to be crashing and banging. So do you think that the Rangers are set up to be able to protect him? I think they have a couple guys that can do that. It's way different, though. Like I said to you earlier, as you got going on that question, Ron, I remember the way it was when I played for my 12 years of pro, whether it was in the minors, whether it's in the NHL, that when the goalie made a save, I turned around immediately and looked for you. I didn't want you coming near him. In other words, I had my stick up, I had my my hands up, I was ready for you. Like you get anywhere near my guy, you know this this snow shower crap that I still see you every now and then, where they skate right up to him and you know stop sharply in front of him. That never happened, and I and our David did. It, it usually ended up in a fight, but it's a different breed today, Ron. I don't think they're taught to do this. I mean, it, it really frustrates me, you know, because your goaltender is, is the most important player on the ice regardless. I think many Ranger fans would agree with you, Kotze. We can't thank you enough for your time, and we'll definitely have you on again much sooner than than this time. I thank you, and uh, in case you guys are interested, I, I do have a podcast myself called The Instigators Podcast Show with Pauly D, better known as Pauly Scaglione, and we will be on tonight. We're a little bit more unfiltered on our show. <laughs> <laughs> we're like we're in a bar, so uh, if anybody's interested, look it up, The Instigators Hockey Show. This is a reality show waiting to happen. (laughs) All right, Ron, that wraps up episode 73, the Brandon Peary edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake and Andrew. Andrew Hartz for producing the show once again another good show we have so much fun here I always look forward to it unfortunately it's just once a week but we keep doing some good stuff good guests and look forward to next week and Ron you are coming to New York potentially this weekend so we we might see you at the garden I I know you said you'd have news this week but I know it's not gonna happen on this show so you want to update us on your plans well my plans are this I haven't been in New York as much this year but I intend to be there on Saturday I'll probably be there for three or four days. But I have a lot of friends there. And, of course, the Rangers play a couple games. You guys will be there. I have not met Molly in person. JQ and I, we've gone out and had a few drinks. So I look forward to the day where the three of us, possibly Andrew, you can join us, the four of us, sit and have a drink and just chat and get to know each other a little bit better. Well, I think for Rangers-Kings Monday, that might need to happen. I actually probably go to Atlantic City this weekend. But I tend to return Monday. And hopefully Monday night, we'll go up to the press box surprise molly say hello and then have uh maybe drinks after the game after she's done with her reporting because she is a scholarly writer and was on wfn and nhl network molly making her way around the media landscape everyone knows about up in the blue seats thanks to molly and you could give us a five-star rating write in a nice review on apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show and uh give us a five-star rating on spotify we appreciate it for number 10 ron Duguay, molly walker jake brown andrew hearts we will return next thursday potentially in studio we'll see for the first time in years thanks for listening to up in the blue seats go rangers talk to you next week be in that beat up